Hey, this is Buzz Bishop, and you're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast, brought to you by the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. We have a special episode in store today, and in store is in the grocery store. We are focused on food, how it impacts our health. I'm joined by renowned Canadian chef Ned Bell and registered dietitian from TELUS Health My Care, Caitlin Boudreau. We're going to talk about why what we eat matters, where to start, how to explore simple changes to our diet, what to buy at the grocery store, and how all of these things can produce big benefits for our health when you don't change much. Welcome, Ned. Welcome, Caitlin. Welcome to the Don't Change Much podcast. Good day. How's everybody doing? Hey, thanks for having me. It's a good day to talk food, right? Definitely. Always. Caitlin, let's let's start with you. Why is it so hard for us to eat healthy? And when I say us, I think we're going to specifically talk men on this on this edition. Yeah, I mean, a number of reasons, Buzz. I think busy lifestyle, you know, men and women. But I really find a lot of men get super caught up in their work forget to eat, which I don't know how that's possible that people can forget to eat. But just, yeah, I get busy, don't plan their eating, just kind of end up going for convenience foods. Those are some of the things I I see pretty often. So, Ned, as a chef, what do you do to try to help people eat better when we're on a treat and we're having a night out? Oh, gosh. I mean, you know, I've I've been in the kitchen for for a long, long time and certainly had, um, you know, multiple different concepts in my in my journey as a chef, and some of them were were healthier than others. My current kitchen really focuses on hyper-local, hyper-seasonal foods. And so we eat sort of the best of the place that we are in. And, you know, certainly from a health point of view, I feel if you're eating fresh and you're eating local, you're off to a good start. Our food is fairly rich. And so by design, we you know, usually focus on smaller portions of protein. I, I like to say, really, when I build a dish, it's it's nutrient-dense plant-based ingredients that fill up the plate with sustainability as the garnish, sustainable, thoughtful protein as the garnish. So not, you know, eight or 10 or 12 ounces of protein, whether that's seafood protein or, or you know, land-raised animal protein or plant-based protein. And maybe it's, you know, three, four, five ounces of higher end premium sustainable proteins that garnish a, a really filling, delicious dish. And, you know, food is not complicated. I mean, it's really ingredient focused. Right. You know, I was I was browsing your your menu at the restaurant at Naramata Inn and it's, yeah, sustainable, local. And then you list all the producers where your foods come from. You know, the mushrooms, the coffee, the vegetables, the beef. It almost felt like it was an episode of Portlandia where, you know, where you want to go out and meet the chicken. <laughs> if you wanted, I could take you there. Right. But that is almost like a satirical take. But when you're building it, you know, it's it's John's carrots, it's Mary's oysters, it's, you know, the grass from your backyard. Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I'm a chef. Like the truth is, I don't eat that way at home with my family, with my sons and my wife. I certainly don't. You're coming to my restaurant for that experience. When you're in the grocery store, you know, North Americans are creatures of habit. Humans are creatures of habit. And we often go to the store and buy the same things and have for decades. And so I challenge people. Like I wrote a cookbook a number of years ago, and I challenge people, when you go to the grocery store, leave a few lines blank at the bottom of your list and challenge yourself to fill those blank lines with things you don't normally buy. So maybe you're just diversifying the things that you're feeding your family with. It could be, you know, 
celery root. It could be different squashes. It could be a, a different kind of protein that maybe isn't as expensive. It could be any number of things. I mean, my boys want chicken and broccoli, chicken and broccoli, steak and broccoli, steak and broccoli. You know, we cook a lot of those things at home because we're like most normal families. It's just that, you know, I'm a fancy chef in my restaurant, but at home I cook pretty basic stuff. You know, you and uh, Caitlin work together on to launch the Canadian Men's Health Foundation Guy's Guide to Eating Healthy. Why is that important to you, Caitlin, to to get something like this going? Yeah, I think, Fuzz, I mean, eating healthy, like that really provides the right nutrients or kind of the building blocks to do all the things we want to do, right? I think most men want to continue working and being active, or maybe it's like Ned and myself, like running after your kids. So it's really important that we have the right fuel in order to do all of those things. So I think quality of life is really a key reason why this guide is so important. So the idea of not just wanting to live longer, but kind of enjoying that life and trying to avoid the burden that might come from something like chronic disease, diabetes, heart disease, that type of thing. Confession, I prepped for the uh, interview today while my dog was getting groomed. I was in a small town diner and I had about seven cups of coffee. I had the soft poached eggs with hash browns, bacon, sausage, and ham. And it was fantastic. Is that the best way to fire up my brain for the rest of the day? I don't know. Who are you asking, Buzz? But uh, the dietitian, yeah. you know, what uh, do you think? You know, I mean, I I might think differently from some dietitians. I really do. I'm a firm believer in like thoroughly enjoying what you eat and that there's not one right way to be healthy and eat healthily. So I mean, protein, as Ned Bell, yeah, mentioned is really, really key for firing up your brain, you know, focusing and concentration. But yeah, overall, I think we want to diversify our diet quite a bit. Looking at some great plant-based sources of protein as well can be a good way to do it, although maybe not something we encounter that often at a diner. Yeah. And also it's one meal, right, Buzz? I think that's something that's important to look at is, you know, one meal of many and yeah, you got to enjoy your food as well. Ned, your best guy, Fieri. That was a pretty fantastic, like, midweek lunch, right? <laughs> Diners, drive-ins, and dives. I mean, who doesn't, yeah, exactly, who doesn't right. love the, uh, the big feast or whatever that diner called it? Sounds, sounds delicious. Uh, you know, I, it's hard to eat healthy, but it doesn't have to be. You, you know, I, like, I, I make myself earn my treats and that earn could be a long walk. It could be half an hour in the gym. It could be, a, a giant bike ride. But if I haven't done something to, you know, I mean, this is the way I do it. I'm not necessarily sure that Caitlin's going to agree with it. But like, you know, if, if, if I have a bit of a deficit mentally in my fuel intake, then I can fill that up with something that's a bit of a treat for myself. And, you know, I have an addiction to coffee and dark chocolate and black licorice and, and, you know, lots of other things. But I try really, really hard to you know, make sure that when I'm cooking for my boys, I'm making sure there's a balanced diet on the plate at home. And certainly, you know, even in my professional kitchens, like it's not all about, you know, butter and cream and salt for that matter. It is about an indulgent meal, but it can be well balanced in its creation. And, and our food, I sort of, I call it naked entrees. So it's like, it's a protein, it, it's a vegetable and it's some sort of I'll say starch, but it doesn't have to be a starch. It could be lentils or quinoa or barley or farro or whatever the, you know, the dense thing might be that fills your tummy up. And then it's the vegetable of the moment. It's some sort of premium protein and it's, it's a sauce. Quite often for me in the restaurants, I use a lot of vinaigrettes 
because I don't want heavy sauces. I want great olive oil. I want great, you know, great citrus, great vinegars, you know, something that just gives it a little zip and a little zing and maybe a touch of sweetness with some honey or maple. And that's the kind of way, the kind of ways that we eat at home and, and when I'm creating dishes for the restaurants. I like what you said, though. You, you need to earn something before you're going to have it. Is is accountability a thing guys are good at, Caitlin? Yeah, some, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I find there's a real like all or nothing mentality with a lot of the men that I chat with. So if they're not, you know, full blown like keto or fasting or, you know, I don't know, doing some extreme diet, they sort of feel like, what's the point? I think that's the real challenge when I work with, you know, some of the male clients that I work with is just trying to help them see that there is, you know, a gray area and, you know, just a few small changes can actually have a big impact. It doesn't have to be completely, you know, one extreme or the other. Yeah. Don't change much. Yeah. If I can just uh, quickly add to that, you know, I have to admit my, my wife played a pretty big role in the change that I went through about 12 years ago. We've been married for 15 years and, you know, I, we got married a little later than normal in life. And, I used to only think that I had done a workout if it was a two hour something, you know, like a two hour ride and, you know, an hour and 45 minute run where I was just dying. Unless I could do the two hour something, I didn't even bother because it was like not worth it, you know? Yeah. And she said, you know, half an hour is better than nothing. And it was really that it took me years to get that. But now I think to myself, half an hour is better than nothing, whether it's lifting something heavy, whether it's going for a walk, whether it is going for a short run or a ride, it doesn't need to be this big accomplishment. And I'm an accomplishment guy. But when it comes to how I fuel myself and how I, you know, release this sort of stresses or endorphins that I'm, you know, might, might be going after, I think we as guys are just like, if it's not the highest mountain, I haven't done anything, you know, and, and that's just baloney. You know, like it doesn't need to be that it can be short bursts of something that just gives your brain a break and maybe, you know, makes you earn that treat. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self-assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today. You know, Caitlin, over at don'tchangemuch.ca, you have a couple of um, food blogs in addition to the Guy's Guide to Eating. And I was going through one of them and you were talking about foods for focus. And some of it is like really common sense, you know, have hydration and protein and stuff. But then you start talking about superfoods and antioxidants. And I'm going to be honest, I'm a little skeptical on the benefits of acai or whatever, because I just think like if I have have a handful of them, they're supposed to be like magic beans. And I'm supposed to transform into a superhero. And yet, you know, I still snore and I'm overweight and make a big change. So what is what is the science? What is the power behind these superfoods? Well, I think, you know, I wish there were superfoods. I feel like they sound very cool, but they're not actually a thing. I mean, there really is no actual superfood. I try to steer my clients away from that idea that there's like one specific food they should be eating, right? It's always like the flavor of the month, it's acai or it's something else. 
I mean, of course, there are foods that are very nutrient dense. And so it's worth looking at those. So things like nuts, you know, lentils, lots of fruits and vegetables. So those antioxidant rich foods and antioxidants really are actually a thing and do help prevent chronic disease. Those are absolutely worth trying to get more of in our diet. So it could be something like beets or, you know, berries or some of the grains that Ned has talked about, you know, barley, but they can be really simple. I think that's another key point that he raised. It doesn't have to be something that you're going to some boutique grocery store for. I mean, you can buy barley, you can buy lentils pretty much anywhere. Yeah, you know, a big bag of barley, I'll get like a one pound bag of barley, make that up on a Sunday and fill that with some oats or granola and some berries and coconut. And then that's my my breakfast for the rest of the week. And it's can stay in the fridge all week and it's super filling and it's it's great. Yeah, it's great. Okay, so we're trying to make it seem like eating healthy is easy and it should be. But what about prep and routine and getting into a habit, Ned? What kind of advice do you have people to give to people in the kitchen for that? Well, I mean, firstly, start small. You know, I think if you think of seven days in a week and and you just, you know, you don't cook at home very often or it's usually convenience foods or what have you, start with two out of seven and, you know, really commit to two out of seven as a routine that you're feeding your family that you know, that way, or, or even for yourself, it's, it's a routine that you get into. Like I love getting up early. My wife likes to sleep in a later than me. She, she goes to bed a little later than I do. And I love to get up early. So I actually spend the mornings before anyone's up doing some prep. And I love it because it's, it's kind of turn on the radio. I listen to a podcast. I listen to, you know, whatever, whatever's the, the thing that I'm interested in at the moment. And I just bang out 45 minutes, half an hour, an hour worth of prep. And to your point of the barley porridge that you have, you know, for the rest rest of the week, prep's so important. It is intimidating to many. Lots of people don't like cooking, but I mean, food is the one thing that connects every human. We all eat. And why wouldn't you want to eat just a little bit healthier, whether you're inspiring your kids or your partner, you know, or yourself or your friends? Start with baby steps. It doesn't have to be every day of the week. It doesn't have to be every month, every day of the month. It's, you know, a couple of days a week. And then you'll start to realize, oh, I feel a little better. This routine is easier. You know, maybe I'm, you know, eating a bit healthier and then go up to three days and then go up to four days and stop at four days. Like, you know, allow yourself two days on the flip side once you get into that scenario where you could cheat and go out for a delicious meal at my restaurant or somebody else's restaurant or you can enjoy that extra scoop of ice cream or that thing that you might crave that you know you would have just eaten blindly before all right so meal prep i have a lot of friends on social who do that you know the salad jars that they're bringing to lunch every day or they're doing you know like some chicken with some grains and salsa and you know they're piling them up in the in the rubbermaid that stuff really if you did that on sunday that's not really good by friday at lunch is it I mean, you, okay, so Caitlin, you're like, eh, eh, chef, what do you think? I'll, I love leftovers. I cook for leftovers. And I think people are intimidated by food after three days, but I'll eat things on the fifth day. No problem. No problem. There's like, if you've cooked it properly, if you've cooled it properly, if you've stored it properly, and if you bought quote unquote fresh ingredients, you will be just fine. And, you know, I, yeah, I, I cook for leftovers. I really do. <laughs> What's your take on on meal prep, Caitlin? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an absolute must do. And to Ned's point, I think people will be surprised that things keep longer than they think. And I mean, you can get creative too. Like if you think about 
maybe it's not creative, but to me, like throwing together like a nice soup or a stew, those are my favorite things to make because they're pretty easy to make. They're hard to mess up. And definitely by day five, I don't know, I don't know, maybe Ned can tell you, but I feel like sometimes they taste even better when they've been kind of stewing and sitting there in the pot for a little while. So yeah, you can you can think outside the box. It doesn't have to be the salad jars or whatever everyone's doing. But I'm a huge fan of like a a nice, you know, everything in the kitchen or everything in the fridge soup. In the pot. It's, you know, honestly, though, for me, it's the one way that I can control what I'm consuming. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get addicted to it. Like it's, I look forward to it. It's like my little corner of the fridge where I have like the next two or three meals in there. And, you know, sometimes people make fun of me for it, but who cares? It's not their body. It's my body. And if it brings me joy and health, like that's all that matters. And I do bring Tupperwares to, to work truthfully. And I'm a chef that owns a restaurant. Like love to eat outside food because I can't eat my own food five days a week. You know, like I have to eat healthy and, and there's some sort of, I mean, I am a bit of a control freak, as you can imagine, uh, you know, being a, a chef and there's something about controlling the intake for me of my own food that, I don't know, just gives me a level of power and I kind of get into a routine and it's like, okay, I know I'm going to eat this and I can go for a run this afternoon and I can hit the gym in the morning or I can go for a walk in between service or, you know, we all have time. We, you know, we have time to cook and we have time for exercise. We think we don't, but we just don't prioritize properly. My, one of my favorite things to do on the weekend is to make that, that big Sunday dinner and it's golf or football or whatever, you know, we all have great rooms now and I'm standing at the kitchen Island, get out, daddy's cooking. And I'm watching the end of the big game. But when we, Caitlin, when we, when we talk about eating healthy and this, this meal prep, I think that's where it comes in where we think eating healthy is expensive. But if you look at lunches at work, if you're just like in a regular office building downtown or you're hitting a drive through, you're looking at 75, 80 bucks a week if you were doing it versus what pennies to dollars. If you were just bringing a Tupperware of lunch that was healthier and more, less expensive. Yeah. I mean, food costs absolutely have gone up like very substantially. So I think we have to acknowledge that it can be more expensive to eat healthier when we're talking about like fresh fruit and vegetables and things like that. But I guess ultimately, I don't feel like it has to be more expensive. And exactly what your point was there, Buzz, about, you know, if you're eating out, ordering, skip the dishes, take out all the time. I mean, that is incredibly expensive for like a one meal, you know, not going to do double duty. You're not going to have leftovers. So I think, again, to Ned's point about keeping it really, really simple, you can create some fantastic dishes. Again, the big pots of soup and things like that and bringing those to work and saving quite a bit of money that way. So I think it doesn't have to be more expensive, but the prep and the planning piece is going to have to come into play here. Here's one other thing that I do for meal prep and planning is uh, every couple of months we'll grab three or four days worth of the meal prep kits. There's a dozen of them out there that adds variety to the usual thing. So I'm, I'm learning a new dish. I get the kids to go through the menu. So they're picking something that they're going to want. They can pitch in and help. And on a busy week when it's rushing home from school to an activity, that stuff is all prepped and measured out. And it's just, it really is just half an hour. I, th- I think on a, on a, per unit basis it's it's a lot more expensive than doing it on your own but the convenience of having something fresh and healthy and different 
I think, and it's cheaper than eating out. I, I find it to be a fun curveball. What do you think, Ned? Yeah, I agree. I, I, my wife loves those meal kit companies because when I'm not at home, she, she wants to get something for, you know, for the boys that is, that has some variety and some tastiness. They love actually cooking it together. So there's that. I think that's a really important skill and, and, and time together for, for them. And, you know, I've jumped in there a couple of times just for fun too, just cause you know, why not? You know, I'm obviously unique because I am a chef and I actually really love what I do and I love being in the kitchen, but you know, not obviously rare. And, you know, there's many people that have enough time to spend hours a week in the kitchen, but that's why I think it's like two days a week, start with something small, you know, don't change much, right? I mean, start with a couple of days where you're shopping for a few different things. And honestly, if you cooked one day a week, like maybe you do buzz on Sundays, but if you cooked two days a week, you're cooking four or five meals for the week in that, in those two days. And especially if you're cooking for leftovers, like, like me, I mean, I, I'll just cook a bag of quinoa even and, and make nothing with it. Just actually have raw quinoa in the fridge waiting to be tossed with, you know, cranberries and cashews or some sort of leftover vegetable that's kicking around the back of the fridge or some sort of old chicken or, you know, old beef that was from a, a few days ago. Maybe old's not the right, <laughs> the right term, but you know, like, and then when aged, you, when, yeah, when leftover, leftover, let's call it leftover. Yeah. When you do come home, because what it takes 10 minutes to cook a bag of quinoa, you do come home with that leftover chicken and those, you know, cranberries and, and cashews and some, some quickly steamed something or other. You got dinner in the middle of the table in like 15 minutes. Like food does, it doesn't have to be this chef creation. It's just food. It can be simple and healthy and delicious. You know, honestly, my friends are extra virgin olive oil and some sort of delicious vinegar. I love cracked pepper and, and flaked salt. Like I could live off of those five things as a, as flavoring. And usually it's apple cider vinegar, right. but like, I don't need some sweet sauce out of a jar. I want to make it myself. And I mean, we have sweet sauces out of a jar in my fridge, but you know, I, I think we, we think it has to be this curated dish because we're all watching Food Network or used to be. It's just food. Like it doesn't have to be complicated and, you know, cook what you want to eat. And I think, you know, like Bourdain taught us that is that, you know, here's this fabulous chef and he's eating out of the back of restaurants and just small family meals. And, and you're expecting like all the garnish and stuff. And he's like, this is the best roast chicken I've ever had. And it's in a tent somewhere in the mountains of somewhere. Right. Absolutely. I mean, the best meals that we are cooking in my kitchen are family meal, staff meal, honest to goodness, because yeah. we're usually putting all of our joy and passion and effort into our peers. You know, we love cooking for our guests. Don't get me wrong, but you come to family meal at 4.30 in my kitchen and you're going to eat something delicious and it's going to come from some globally inspired, locally created flavor from one of my cooks who's from another country. Like it's, it's the best meals to eat, you know? And of course that doesn't mean that's how we're cooking at home, but you know, you're putting it in your body. You, you want to consume something that gives you that energy and that fuel. And when you eat healthy, you are healthy or you are healthier. And, you know, I, I struggle with my weight my whole life. At my heaviest, I was 220. I'm, you know, 170 now. And, you know, I, I used to eat everything, all the cheese, all the butter, all the meat, all the whatever. And now it's just don't change much, you know, 
nutrient-dense, plant-based, and sustainability is the garnish, and you can be well on your way to healthy eating. And you're inspiring your sons and your daughters and your children and your partner and your spouses and your aunts and uncles. Like when I first met my wife 15 years ago, her parents did not eat a lot of vegetables. They're of the generation that it was meat and potatoes and something overcooked that used to be a vegetable. And now we have big platters of delicious green leafy things and, you know, roasted something or other that's from the garden. And, you know, you can inspire the people around you quite easily. Well, Caitlin, um, I'm getting hungry listening to Ned here, but we need we need to shop for all of those things that he's talking about. Give us some grocery store tips. I sometimes hear this idea of like shop the perimeter and, you know, yes, you do want to pick lots of nice fresh foods, but there's lots of good stuff in those middle aisles as well. So, I mean, don't be afraid of like some canned beans or again, like, I don't know, canned tomato products. All goes back to that idea of keeping it simple, avoiding some of these misconceptions we hear like, oh, don't ever touch frozen vegetables. You know, those are the worst. Like, it's okay to buy frozen veggies. They can be fantastic and can be such a great way to up your intake of, you know, fruits and veggies. You know, bag of oats goes a long way. Like, I think we can keep it really, really simple. But just kind of overall keeping that framework in mind of basing your meals around plants as much as possible. So, throw lots of veggies on your plate, whichever ones you like. As Ned said, if you don't like it, don't eat it. You don't have to eat kale. You know, pick a couple of veggies, get a piece of protein on there, whether it's tofu or some salmon or some chicken, and then grab a grain or a starch. So, you know, something like some brown rice or quinoa, barley, you know, overall it's, it can be fairly straightforward, but that's how I would try to frame my, my meals. I want to talk to you about what you do for a living, Caitlin. You're you're a dietitian, and I only ever hear from dietitians on the news or on blogs or on podcasts. What what is it that you do when you're not talking to the media? So I work predominantly one on one with clients. So I work for Telus Health My Care as the lead registered dietitian there. Just you know, chatting with folks such as yourself who are wanting to make some changes in their eating habits maybe trying to improve their health. So just really working with them. I think there's this misconception that dietitians are going to, you know, hand out Canada's food guide and tell you all the things you're doing wrong with your diet. But it's really about trying to identify, you know, what someone wants to change or work on, or maybe they don't know what they need to work on. And then just truly trying to make a couple of small little changes in how they're eating, what they're eating to overall kind of improve their health and well-being. So is that the sort of thing where if I talk to my doctor and he's, you're pre-diabetic, you need to make some changes. Is that when, when you can also come in to help people with that? Yeah, absolutely, Buzz. I mean, physicians are amazing, but they don't have a lot of time, right, to get into all the details about your dietary needs. So absolutely, if you found out you had, you know, high cholesterol or diabetes or, or maybe you have a family history of these things and are hoping to prevent them. Dietitians are really the best place or best resource to figure out yeah, what your nutrient needs are, what are some of the foods you want to try to focus on and come up with a bit of a plan for your eating. And while the your advice would obviously be tailored to each client, it kind of does come down to this thing of lots of plants, as raw and as simple as you can get it, and and then you're on the right course. 
I would say so. I mean, I do try to keep it simple. I think the biggest thing for my work is keeping things practical, realistic and sustainable, right? Because we often, you know, have this tendency to want to try something really extreme. But yeah, so I work with clients one on one to figure out what is really realistic for them. You know, it's not going to be the same for one person to the next. We all have pretty different lifestyles. So it's not, you know, going to be a carbon copy from one person to the next. But yeah, overall, I think that is a common message that I have, which is, you know, get more plants and yeah, try to sometimes eat a little more frequently. Ned, what, what called you to the apron and the, and the knife? You know, it's funny story. My mom, so my parents divorced when I was 12. My mom was out there working her tail off to provide for my brother and sister and I. And I got tired of frozen Costco lasagna, to be quite honest, as a 12, 13 year old. And I started cooking for my younger brother and sister. It was a way for us to come together as as siblings. And I think I made stir fries every day for a year. I mean, that's my memory. I don't think that's necessarily true. But and I just realized at a young age that, oh, this is bringing people together, people that I care about, people that I love. And my first job ended up being washing dishes at a little restaurant close to where I grew up. And I really fell in love with hospitality. I fell in love with eating. You know, as I mentioned, I was a chubby kid. And so, you know, you could go in the walk-in cooler and eat all the apple crumble. I was like, this is the best job ever. Um, Until the sous chef walked in behind me and was like, you know, Ned, we know you're eating that and you can't eat it all. And, you know, I wasn't the best student and and I knew that I wasn't going to go to university and the trades called me and and I went to culinary school right after high high school. I'll be honest, I'm the luckiest guy. Absolutely love what I do. And I always have. It's taken me around the world. I've I, you know, I'm turning 50 next year. I can't wait for the next decade. I love cooking. I mean, I love feeding people. I love, you know, the camaraderie of a kitchen. It's kind of like a sports team. Honestly, it's like we go into battle every night at 435 o'clock and we feed a couple hundred people something delicious. They all almost always love us. Often they don't, but I love, you know, being challenged to improve myself and the team if we've made some mistakes, because, you know, we really are like going, you know, the curtain is coming up and, you know, the show, the show must go on every single evening. And, you know, I feed people. I mean, it's not rocket science, but people think that chefs are, you know, waving some sort of a magic wand. Like I'm a blue collar tradesperson. It's hard work. I dig in every day. I get dirty. I love the dish area. You know, some people call it a dish pit. We're not allowed to call it a dish pit in my kitchen because who wants to work in a pit? We work in the dish area and I started in the dish area. And, you know, it's not rocket science. We feed people and we have fun doing it. And some of my other things that I do in my career take me into farms and, and fishing families all over this country and all over the world and, you know, taking care of of what they're putting into my kitchens and then I'm putting in front of my my guests. And I'm lucky, man. I get to do what I love and can't wait to do it for another decade or two. You know, it's, uh, isn't that the gift? Matt, I think a lot of the guys who are listening to this pod are about the same age as us. And I've got teenagers and I'm always wondering what are they going to what are they going to do next and and they keep asking to take summer camp trade and I always wonder about that road to hoe to get into to culinary it is it is really hard work and at the bottom for those first few years the the pay isn't there either is it 
I mean, my first year was eight bucks an hour. My second year was nine bucks an hour. My third year was 10 bucks an hour. It took me 10 years to become a chef, but I wasn't in a rush. I lived at home for the first few years of my apprenticeship. And, you know, I went to culinary school in Vancouver. I know Sade and Nate in Alberta really well. Great schools. I've spoken at both of them and, and incredible culinarians that are leading those programs. Life doesn't have to be a rush. Like if they really want to become a chef, don't have them think about how hard it's going to be to get there. Think of, okay, do you want to cook for the rest of your career? In some way, shape or form, you're going to be cooking or in the kitchen for 30 plus years. And yeah, the first 10 years were hard, but I loved them. I mean, if you're not willing to work hard, like you work hard, Caitlin works hard, you know, all the men's health champions that I know, they worked darn hard to get to where they are and climbing the mountains of their sports or their, you know, careers. You know, many, many, my wife works incredibly hard in her world. Like people work hard if they want to be successful. And, you know, yeah, life's expensive, certainly way more expensive than it was, you know, in the, in the early nineties when I went to culinary school, but it was just as hard to pay my rent. And it was 500 bucks back in 1992 than it is now to pay a rent that's 2,500 bucks. But I was making nine bucks an hour, you know, like it's hard work. Yes. It took me 10 years to become a chef. My advice to a young culinarian is give it three to five years before you make a true decision, whether you're in or you're out. Because many of these young chefs, they go to school, they have some debt, and then they think two years later, oh, I'm not the executive chef yet. I'm out. I'm going to go do something else. Well, you're not even close to talented enough to be a sous chef, let alone an executive chef. But, you know, Food Network, you know, unfortunately made us all think that we could be these these bad boy and bad girl chefs. And, you know, that's just not the truth. First of all, those <laughs> chefs aren't cool anymore. And, you know, most of those bad boy chefs and bad girl chefs were probably drinking too much and uh, partying a little too hard anyway. So, you know, I think um, trades are so important. You know, I'm a huge proponent of trades, whether it's, you know, trades with your hands or, or, you know, all the other trades that maybe aren't the cool things that we're told to go to university for. But, I love cooking. You feed people. It's an incredibly rewarding career, and I would recommend it to anyone. For sure. And and I guess, you know, the chefs that I see or that I've interacted with are all such generous, happy people. And the hard work that you've done is is a labor of love. And like you said, like with anything, it's going to take, I guess, kids want instant success these days. It's going to take us a while to get to the yeah. top. Caitlin, our theme on the Don't Change Much podcast with the Canadian Men's Health Foundation is Don't Change Much. So what does that mean to you? To me, it really means you do not have to dramatically alter your diet to make, you know, a positive impact on your health. So it's, you know, how many of us have tried something really extreme with our diet just to find ourselves reverting back to old habits? I think we have to give up this idea that we have to be super extreme or do a complete overhaul of our diet in order to have a healthy diet. I love seeing what happens when my clients focus on one or two small changes, which can then kind of help them to layer in, you know, even more changes. So I think ultimately, it, to me, it really means just, yeah, keep it simple. Pick one or two things that you can start doing right away. Commit to them and see what happens. I can almost guarantee that you will start eating a little bit better probably feel a little bit better and then start building some momentum to perhaps, you know, have some more changes happen. And those simple things would be lots more vegetables, lots more water. Those easy steps to start I would on? Say, I would say even breakfast. Like, I don't know if you're not eating breakfast now, why not? Maybe it would be a good thing to start doing, right? Sure. 
Uh, Ned, you've dropped the tagline a lot during the the pod. How do you sum up don't change much to you? Well, I mean, it's such a great tagline because it really says everything you need it to say. Like we think that, you know, we're only going to be successful if we do the big, big thing over and over and over. And that's just not the way to succeed in life, let alone in food or or in your family for that matter. I mean, it's the small repetitive things that make a big difference over time. And for me, it's about, you know, making sure that I commit to my family's diet and consum- consumption is complicated. I mean, let's be honest, it is complicated. And, you know, we're all hearing, oh, you should eat this or you should eat that or you have to eat this or don't eat this. Like I eat everything. I just eat it in moderation and I try and stay away from refined sugars. I try and stay away from white bread, although every once in a while I'll have a great burger, but mostly I'm eating whole grains. I force myself habitually to have things in the fridge so that when I'm hungry, they're already there. You know, like you have to trick yourself. Humans are creatures of habit. You know, like we want to eat the quick and easy and simple things that's right there. Like you can't see what's beside me. I'm in Kelowna at a, at a tournament for my son and I brought three days worth of food with me from home. Because I know said fast food restaurant is just around the corner and it would be way easier to order the thing from there instead of eat the thing that I have. And I have a bag of nuts. I have some dark chocolate. I have some healthy snacks. I have some things in the in the hotel fridge. I have tomorrow's breakfast already made. Like you have to do that or you will choose the easier thing. And, you know, it's it might sound boring, but I don't know. There's joy in repetition. There's joy in a little bit of boring to me anyway. Like I, I'm, I love consistency. I love routine, you know, like it's, I think we all do. I mean, Buzz, you host radio shows, man. Like you couldn't be excellent at what you do if you didn't understand how to be repetitive in the things that you do to, to pull off a great, uh, a three hour or five hour, however long your shows are, you know, and Caitlin's inspiring all kinds of different Canadians. Like we're, a mixed bag of people. We, we like different things culturally. We're, you know, it's eating healthy is a daily journey for me. That that's what I, that's what it is for me. It's a daily journey. And I know that I went to the gym for half an hour today and I'm going to eat half of that dark chocolate bar later tonight. Cause I earned it. Thank you, Ned. And thank you, Caitlin for joining the pod this month. Uh, and thanks for contributing to the guy's guide to eating healthy. You can find it through the link in the episode description and at menshealthfoundation.ca. And if you haven't already, click the follow button to join us every month for a new episode of the Don't Change Much podcast.